Can you feel that? There's energy in the air, an ancient power ready to be harnessed. I'm Tony Winyard, and in this electrifying episode of the Art of Living Proactively podcast, we'll be unlocking the secrets of Qigong, China's time-tested system for tapping into your vital life force. My guest today, Andrew Kenneth Fretwell, an expert guide to energizing and enlightening practices of Qigong and Tai Chi. Andrew will reveal how techniques like bone breathing and organ strengthening meditations can sharpen your mind, strengthen your body and awaken your spirit. We will discover the Taoist path to balance, emotional mastery and realizing your potential by harnessing Jing, your essential energy. From movement to mindfulness, it promises to be an inspirational and informative show. So relax, hit subscribe and join me on this journey to the proactive side of life. When you've listened, please share your impressions in YouTube comments. For now, let's begin unlocking the power within. Welcome to another edition of The Art of Living Proactively. My guest today, Andrew Kenneth Fretwell. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing amazing. And we're in a pretty amazing place today, aren't we? Yes, I live in Wood Valley. Been here for nearly three years. And well, we, and we were speaking before the recording started. In Indonesia, is a place I lived in for seven years, so I know well, and I know how beautiful Bali is. It's it's quite magical. Um, it's one of the reasons I moved here was for the spiritual energy. You know, the, the, the energy of nature here is so powerful. Especially where I live in the wood, which is more up in the mountains, and there's a lot more breeze, and you know, a lot more green than the popular places, which is the yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, so let's start with um, be about being proactive. Analogies or metaphors or anything that come to mind about it? Absolutely. Um, I mean, Qigong for many minutes, and I, I tell my students if I'd known this when I was young. I would be much more proactive, you know. So the things that we have to understand is that when we're young, you know, in our 20s and 30s, we have a lot of what the Tao is called Jing, which is equivalent to like adrenal energy, if you like. And what I would have liked a mentor to tell me all those years ago is be careful with your Jing. It's very precious. And if you want to live a really healthy life, you need to conserve it. So that would be my analogy for anyone is to learn how to conserve your jing, especially when you're young, because it will pay dividends for you, you know, when you're older, you know, yeah. Well, that's a great place to start, so do you. Okay. <laughs> well, if you're a man, you have to make sure you don't ejaculate too much. Okay. That's really important, and to transform that energy into love. Men and women are a little bit different, okay? So men lose most of their energy through ejaculation. That's how we lose our life force, right? And women lose it through their period and through giving birth to children. But sexually, women are much more, we could say, from the Taoist point of view, which is my tradition, they're much more, um, at a sexual level, they're much more, they don't waste energy when they have sex. I mean, they can, I teach, I teach men how to have orgasm without ejaculation. And that's really important practice that anyone can learn. It's not particularly difficult. You used to have more than one wife, you know. <laughs> so you're this to for explanation for listeners who maybe aren't mm. away. So you're an instructor of Qigong and also for Tai Chi, I believe, as well, aren't you? Yes. I mean, basically any of the Chinese uh, Taoist arts. Uh, 
So some people probably aren't really so familiar with what is Qigong, what is Tai Chi. Can mm. you explain? Sure. So Qigong is not like exercise. If you watch anyone doing Qigong in the park, you know, they look like these very graceful movements, right? And they are. They're very graceful, very beautiful, right? And basically Qigong is older than Tai Chi. And there are literally thousands of different forms, you know, and you can spend a lot of money going to the purpose of Qigong. Not only is it for health and vitality, but it's for your internal world. It's to make your internal energy a mirror of nature's energy. This is the main key with Qigong. You have to make your inter... Because basically the Taoists say that nature is connected to the Tao, is connected to the source. There's no separation. But us human beings, because we have a mind and because we can interpret life and make stories up about neutral experiences of life, then what we do is we, we change our energy, we restrict our energy, we, uh, we get old quicker than we should do, and things like this, right? So the Tao is really directed at really developing yourself spiritually. So even though the health benefits are enormous, the real reason is to develop your consciousness, to develop your, what the Taoists call your energy body or your soul, and to make it more real in your life. That's the real purpose. And then Tai Chi is much more difficult to learn because it's very structured and it's very much about um, martial arts. It's, about, it, it's a fighting form, actually. But Tai Chi is, 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 takes a lot of discipline and it takes many minutes to really be good in Tai Chi. Whereas Qigong, you know, I teach this very simple form and people can learn it in two, three-hour sessions and, and it's very powerful as well. So that's one of the reasons I teach something that's more simple. Qigong is more about... The breathing and the breath work? Qigong is about moving your body in alignment with nature. So it looks very similar to Tai Chi. It's just that it's not so structured and it's easier to learn. Okay. So sometimes they say Qigong is the mother of Tai Chi because basically these Taoist monks and you know these herbs, thousands and thousands of years ago, they looked at nature, they looked at the way birds moved and animals moved, and they said, oh, if we start to move like that, maybe we'll be more connected to nature. And they discovered that they were, you know. And so the Taoists were responsible for things like acupuncture, herbalism, feng shui. I mean, incredible rich culture. Uh, unbelievably rich, you know, yeah. In the early 90s, I lived in Hong Kong. And oh, I remember yeah. one, one night, I was coming back from a club. And it was mm -hmm. about 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And it was, it was dawn. And I was walking through a park with a friend and I saw hundreds of old people all moving really slowly. And I'd never come across Tai Chi before. I was in my, I think I was in my mid-20s or something. And it was like something out of some like a horror film. I thought, what the hell is going on? It was hundreds <laughs> of old people moving really slowly and I didn't know what they were doing. But obviously now I know it was Tai Chi, but it was an amazing yes, yeah. sight. Yeah, and and you know, I was in China in 2019 for the first time. I went back to in the park in in Beijing, and many of them are in their nice, and their health, and their their eyes are bright. That those cultivating your energy is is something we we should all learn as kids, you know. So does this relate back to the Tao Te Ching and Lao Tzu and so? Yes, on? exactly, exactly. The Tao Te Ching is the is the preeminent, you know, all the scholars in China agree that the Tao Te Ching is, is the root of Taoism. And, you know, it's the, it's, you know, it says right at the beginning, the Tao that can be spoken is not the Tao, you know. And so it's, it's a mystical 
Have you read that book? Have you read? No. Yeah, I've I read Dr. Wayne Dyer did a book mm. about the Tao, which I found absolutely yeah. fascinating. And I remember yeah. when I was reading it, and I was on a tube in London, and I went five stops past where I was supposed to get off because I was so engrossed in the book, and I realised, oh, I, I was supposed to get off five stops. Yeah, it's an amazing book. Yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, and it's just full of like wisdom that we need now. You know, like. The true leader is not known by his uh, followers because there's so much good in the land, you know, and we don't have. Let's go back then. What was it that first got you into all this? How did you come across this in the first place? Ah, oh, that's a great question. Thank you. It's 21. Uh, I had a, had an awakening. Uh, uh, basically, a friend of mine who was my yoga teacher, she wanted me to go up to London to support her because she had to give a talk at this ashram. So not knowing what I was letting myself in for, it was this Indian ashram, you know, like you when you saw those people in the park, you know, I walk in this place and there's incense and I'm like, what the hell, where am I, you know? Anyway, I was there for my friend, so I was just being a friendly person, you know, and so I sat down on the floor. The teacher that she wasn't there, it was his ashram, but he was in India. And as soon as I sat down, I had this experience in my heart and suddenly I, it just felt like you know full of this love that was just so it's really hard to describe it was just so and three days and three nights it was a sort of classic awakening you know and I'll be walking around the street you know loving everyone loving the insects loving the grass loving my enemies I just had this so much love you know it's like oh my god and then I spent the next 10 years trying to recreate that so I was serving this particular teacher I actually ran an ashram for him in London but what happened for me was, is a very interesting journey. What happened was that I suddenly had this split, because I was a professional musician at the time, you have to remember. So I had this split between my worldly life and my spiritual life. When I was at the ashram and I was meditating and chanting, I felt great. But when I went into my life, I couldn't bring it in. And eventually, after about 10 years, this maybe a little bit longer, 12 years, it, it manifested as a physical problem. I was going to India regularly to see my teacher and I got amoebic dysentery and basically pain, you know, I mean, it's horrible. You know, you get these amoebas in you. I don't know if you might have. <laughs> I was trying everything to get rid of it, like Western medicine, chiropractor, Chinese herbs. I tried everything, everything. Nothing would get rid of it. It was driving me nuts. And my girlfriend at the time, we were living in London. She said, hey, why don't you try a macrobiotic consultation you know and so there's this in london you might remember i don't know if you know the, the old street it was called the community health foundation it was a big macrobiotic center i went there and the owner of the, uh, the consultant looked at me and he knew i had this problem and he says it's interesting isn't it? he says here we are the most evolved species on the planet and we're blaming all these single cell organisms for all our problems and i'll never forget that statement it, it just blew me away i was like yeah of course like, and he looked at me and he said look you just make your system stronger and you'll easily get rid of the amoebas and everything will be fine. And he was dead right. And up to then, I hadn't worked on my diet or anything. So macrobiotics is really comes from China. It's, it's more originally Japan, but the influence is China. It's, it's five phases, you know, the five phases. And so I just changed my diet. And within three months, not only had I healed my amoebas, but my whole outlook on life had completely changed. And when on, and so I decided then to move away from the immune system and study microbiotics. 
And I took a training course, and on that training course was a friend of mine who I've known for many, many years now, and he introduced me to someone called Mentat Chia, who's very famous. He's one of the most famous Qigong masters in the world. He's a student, basically. I actually became a senior student in his organization. I lived in Dow Garden. And when I was there, people invited me to come and teach in different countries. So that's how I started, basically. It's a very interesting journey, you know. And, and now I can honestly say that since that experience of that opening, now I can ground that experience. That, that experience is still pretty constant for me these days. I, I really feel my heart very open, but I'm very grounded as well. And, and that's what I want to teach people because I see people on the spiritual path or any sort of exercise path, oftentimes they go up and then go down and up. So I'm trying to teach people how to make it consistent. You know, and that's my, that's my mission, if you like. Yeah. So it's a long story, but I hope it puts across the, <laughs> the journey. So the people you're you're working with in in Bali is that locals? Is it expats? Is it online or how, how is? It? Uh, most of most of my training because of COVID, I moved online. I was traveling a lot before COVID, but once COVID came, I started to. It was a very good thing for me because I could spend more time with people. So since then, I've been mentoring international students all over the world. I, I teach a little bit in the book, not too much, just every every month for a, a couple of sessions, you know, but he put energy into it yet because I've been focusing on my online work. But I'm planning to do more here in book. yeah. But mostly my work is... And so from what you said before, start people off with Qigong and then maybe move them into Tai Chi? No, uh, I start them with Qigong and then we move into the Taoist internal alchemy, which is all about it's a meditation practice, but it's not a head-centered meditation. It's not about stilling the mind. It's about getting the body really healthy. Well, in, in Taoism, we say that the mind is the body mind. So when I first met Mentachia, he looked at me and he didn't give me any spiritual advice. He just said, strengthen your lungs, Andrew. That's all he said to me, strengthen your lungs. So it's a very unique way of looking at life. And it's very proactive, actually, if you take care of the body, your spiritual life actually take care of itself. Yeah. That's what I learned. Yeah. And so how did you go about strengthening your lungs? Through Taoist practice. Through Taoist okay. practice. Through, for example, smiling at them, releasing toxins out of them. There's a very famous Taoist thing called the healing sounds where you make this sound and you bring the virtues from your soul and you open up the pathways to deeper dimensions in you to bring in these, these qualities that the lungs can actually embody, which is strength. The lungs have a connection to inner strength. Right? Every organ has a spiritual quality to it. Kidneys give you wisdom. The liver gives you... So those organs store a lot of what we consider, especially these days, after everyone's so expressive on social media, but those organs also contain what we call portions of those virtues. So the liver can get very angry and frustrated. The lungs can get sad and depressed, you know, and so it's wonderful for people once they start to see that their emotions are directly connected to their organ systems. And it's so powerful. It, it makes such a difference in people's lives. I have so many people coming to me who've done all these meditation practices, but they never, never touch their organs. And once they do their organs, they see, oh my God, I've, got, I've bypassed all this stuff. I've bypassed all this anger. I bypassed my sexuality because I wanted to have this spiritual awakening. And in fact, it's the spiritual awakening is actually getting in touch with your body and getting it. So would this, uh, uh, my intuition, and this is probably wrong, is saying that I'm, it, it may be this is going to be more dif 
difficult for younger people than older people or how what is your experience so I, i'm pretty lucky i have a whole range of students i have very young students and very uh, old students as well you know whole I, I think your intuition's right. I think most young people, their their adrenal energy, their kidney energy, their sexual energy is so it's like they're not thinking about spirituality. They're not they're not thinking proactively. They're not thinking about the end of their life, right? So I think your intuition's right about that. It's just that I've been around a long time and people know about me, and so I, I tend to attract all sorts of people, including youngsters. You know, one of my students is very young from Romania. Does it make any difference? Obviously, you said you've transitioned to working online, whereas before mm-hmm. you were working face to face. Is mm-hmm. it? Is there anything? If you were learning this online, is there anything that you, you would miss by not being interacting with the teacher? No, I mean it's been. I noticed when I was teaching, I'd be teaching weekends with people. Of course, they have that interaction with me. But they don't have that ongoing reaction with me. So I'm mentoring people. I'm working with people constantly. Like there's one training that I do, we meet every week, you know, and so people are meeting with me once a week for a six-month program. And I find that, yeah, it's just for people to, to have someone to meet with every week. You know, it's been very- Can you think of any sort of examples, case studies or whatever, where someone's come to you, they know nothing mm-hmm. about Qigong, mm-hmm. and they've, experienced some things which they just weren't expecting oh yeah i mean just if you look on my website you can see all the beginners experiences of this form Gong, that i teach it's a living form it's very special and when people practice that they feel energy and they feel their hearts starting to open you know and so they start to have these experiences from just doing this form so if you go to my website there's so many stories written there testimonials of people yeah and, and is it something that you would just do for people who are learning? Is it something you would do once a week? Or would you have a, a session with you, say, and then practice it on a daily basis? Or how, how would people yeah. start this? Yeah. So with Wujigong, they can either learn with me in person. If they come to Bali, they can learn. And they learn in two, three-hour sessions. And then they have it for life. And so do you teach people Tai Chi as well? I haven't for a long time. Okay. I haven't for a long time. The last time I taught Tai Chi was in Mantachia's place in 2012. You know, this form, this Wujigong form, I just think that people don't have the time these days. They're so busy. They want something really simple. They want to learn it fast and they want to get results. So Tai Chi, you need a, a good three years, I would say, to really start to get results. So I'm more interested in trying to really help people make a breakthrough in their life, especially in their health or in their emotional body or in their spiritual bodies. So I've, and this Wujigong that I teach, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just mind-blowing how powerful it is. Yeah. There's lots of places around, you know, virtually anywhere in the world where you go, and there's people teaching Tai Chi. Yes. So if someone just goes and, and starts learning Tai Chi, but they haven't learned Qigong first, what mm. is it that they'd be missing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't think they'd be missing anything. Uh, they don't know, right? And so, sure, just slowing their body down and learning the basic movements of Tai Chi is going to have benefits. It's not going to not have benefits. It is. It's just that it's much slower, in my experience, than this Wujigong, which is actually called Tai Chi for Enlightenment. So the story behind this form is that the original founder of Tai Chi, his name is Chang Sang Fan, he's sort of a semi-legendary figure about a thousand years ago. He's accredited with, with um, teaching the original Tai Chi form. 
As far as we know, he also taught a form for enlightenment, to go back inside, to connect back to the Tao inside of you. As and if I remember rightly, isn't there something, women have more difficulty, something about the hormonal system with this? Uh, uh, generally, uh, I would say in life, that women have much more hormonal difficulties than men. In most, I would say most, you know, modern culture or modern cities. You probably don't get women having hormonal issues in tribal situations, but most of the women that I deal with, so many of them have hormonal issues. You know, it's, it's, it's a real problem. Except it is normal now to have period pain, for example, or to have endometriosis, or to have, you know, when you have your period to be really uh, tired or, you know, things are not natural, mm. you know, and you would go to a Chinese doctor and they would give you herbs to try and address it. But this is a very deep issue program that addresses it, but it's a very deep issue. It's about women not feeling safe in the world, actually. Um, this is what the hormonal system of women is designed to do, is to download the, the truth that we live in a loving universe. For women, for thousands of years, they've been abused by the patriarchy. And so they've got these memories in their cells of not feeling safe. And then they have to live in this world, and so unconsciously they make this decision, oh yeah, like, I don't really feel safe here, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that, that's what causes, that's the root of the hormonal issue. So I have this program on my, on my website, it's called No Balance for Women or Bone Breathing. And all the women that go through that program, every one of them like, heals their period pain, heals their, all their emotions, heals... Uh, uh, osteoporosis. I mean, it's unbelievable with this program. It's just, and, and it's not about taking herbs. It's not about placement therapy. They don't have to take anything. It's all within themselves. They have to learn a very simple massage of the breasts and activate the hormonal glands. And they have to learn how to breathe into their bones, which is where these deep memories are stored. And when women start to do that, they have these incredible breakthroughs. And how long does that program last? It's a, uh, a Four three-hour, four th no three three-hour trainings with me that they can take online and learn anywhere. And then there's a Telegram support group, private support group, where I am and other women teachers of. And I guess we should mention Telegram as in WhatsApp rather than like Telegrams, isn't it? Yeah, Telegram, the group, the group, Telegram yeah. chat thing. Yeah, yeah. but I like Telegram because I can put videos there, I can put articles. It's, it's really quite good for a teaching person, you know, when I'm teaching. So I can run rather than email. Email is just disaster. Have you got many people who've been working with you for a long time? Yes. Most of my students have been with me for many, many, with me for many, many years. And I, I have this reputation. I mean, people come to me through word of mouth, you know, and, uh, and then when they come, they usually stay for a long time. But many of them become, their, become teachers in their own right, you know. But I'm still men mentoring them, helping them, because I've been doing this for so long. I mean, so. And so if someone wanted to become a teacher, how long would that take? There's a six-month program that I have on my website. You can go there. It's called Alchemy School. I run it every year. It starts in January. I mean, six months, you're not busy for that whole six months. You do meet with me once a week for the six weeks and with the, all the other participants, the other students. And then there's also intensive weekend trainings where I'm teaching the formulas, the different formulas of longevity, uh, inner sexual alchemy, you know, learning how to have this open heart experience. That is a, a progressive training that people go through with me. Yeah, that's a six month.
But they can also do the Wujigong teacher training. That, that's easier. It's not so much commitment. They can go through the basic class online, they do an advance, and then they take the teacher training all online and with uh, you know, uh, an exam after each one. Yeah, it's, there's many options for people to become teachers. And so the, the first option you talked about, that would then they would be a Qigong teacher and the second one? Yeah, with my, with my school. And the second one, Qigong, is like easier to qualify for because it's simple to teach, and, and, but, but you still have to commit to it. You know? So there are two levels. Yeah, there's the Qigong, and then most of the people that do the Qigong teacher training, they then come into my deeper six-month program where I get to work with them more consistently over a longer period of time. And obviously by learning to teach that, they're also going to develop so much in, within themselves, yeah. just in that whole process. They have to. In my school, they, they certify themselves. Um, and it's wonderful because, you know, I, I, t I lay it out right at the beginning. Like, if you don't embody this, there's no way you can teach it. In that training, would they be learning aspects of breathing and nutrition and so on, and maybe stress management mm -hmm. or what? they be covering things? Yeah, like not so much nutrition. Uh, I, you know, diet sorts itself out when you heal your organs. It's simple as that. You know, like usually an imbalance in eating is related to the organ systems not being, not communicating with each other, right? So I don't really teach too much about nutrition. Uh, if someone asks, I can always you know, give my, but we're also different in that respect. So mostly it's about, it's about learning about their inner world, right? Arising from. Okay, so the basic teaching here, and this is the big difference between what we would call Western psychological approaches and the Taoist approach. So Western psychological approach only focuses on your thoughts and feelings. Hmm. It's on what's creating thoughts and feelings, which is qi, which is energy. So if we get our energy really clear and healthy, our thoughts and feelings naturally take care of themselves. They naturally become more loving. But you have to dig down because there's so much childhood wounding, ancestral wounding stored in our organs. And so part of the training with me is, first of all, let's clear out those organs, let's get them really healthy. And then amazing things happen. You know, they start to feel more energy, they sleep better, all sorts of things. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a proven system. And on that, isn't there, my understanding is in China, there was a period, I think it was sometime in the 20th century where some of this was suppressed, but now it seems to That's be resurging, is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so, so basically what happened during the Cultural Revolution um, was that they took everything that was spiritual out of the medicine, out of traditional Chinese medicine. What they, so it, it was no longer classical because they removed all of the spiritual reference. And so I call TCM, which is traditional Chinese medicine, traditional communist medicine because they took everything spiritual out of it. And basically, all of the, the real masters, they all fled to Taiwan and other places like Hong Kong, and, you know, because they were being killed, basically, because they were special powers, you know. They could, so, I mean, one of them, I remember very specifically, he predicted Mao Zedong's death, so they threw him in a prison camp. And he actually went into a very deep meditation, and the guards thought he was dead, and they threw him out, and he was actually alive, and he walked away. You know, so, stories like that. But now it is really resurgent in China, though, isn't it? No, I mean, it's... But, listen, China is a, is a little bit like Japan. It's very split, okay? So there's all these big cities and this neon and, you know, and those people in those cities, they have no idea of the Taoist culture. And how do I know that? Because I've spoken to some monks when they go to the city and they're dressed in their typical Taoist 
where, you know, the young Chinese or even the older Chinese would look at them and say, oh, which country do you come from? You, you must be somewhere from very strange. And they realize it's their culture, you know. Definitely a split in China. You know, the scientific and the Western values and then these traditional monks and, you know. And there's still a lot of very beautiful um, spiritual places in China, you know, and I visited in 2019 and had a wonderful time. Really good going back to my roots. You know. Are there any myths around Qigong that that you th would like to dispel? That, you know, that things that people think and which is simply incorrect. Well, that's a great question. Um, I can't think of anything right now. Um, I mean, maybe like this, I mean, Manta Chi is really famous for sexual energy cultivation. That's his first book was called Cultivating Male Sexual Energy. And I would say that maybe one of the myths is that if you, that you can do that without spiritually developing. And I say you can't because actually many men, they, they did that approach and they got into all sorts of trouble because they weren't emotionally mature enough to deal with the, the increase of energy that that practice brings. So now, for example, I never teach men the sexual practice until they've gone through my emotional alchemy program and balanced their emotional body. So that would be one, that would be one myth, you know, that... To be emotionally, to be multi-orgasmic, you have to really have opened your heart because you can't just do it through physical. You have to do it through energetic. So that would be a myth that I would like to dispel. What are the only books you'd recommend people to read? I mean, obviously, I imagine... No, let me go back and change. You know the book Meditations by Marcus Aurelius? Yes. Yes, I know. Now, I remember I was reading this with a few other people and then it became apparent that we were reading different translations and it made a massive difference depending on which translation we were reading and sure. we weren't necessarily reading the same thing. So is the same sure. thing true for Tao Te Ching as well? Yeah. I just, which would you recommend? Um, I think the one by Clary is really good. Thomas Clary is really good. Yeah. Okay. And, and let's stay with books. Is there a book that's really moved you at any point in your life? Yeah, I, and this book is the best book. And I'm still reading it every day, nearly. It's called Nourishing Destiny by Lonnie Jarrett. He's a master. He's a Western master from the United States. He's in acupuncture. He's Chinese because he can understand it. He's written this amazing book about constitutional medicine. And yeah, it's just an amazing book. Cool. It's my favorite book on, on alchemy and, and, and on the, the Taoist path. It's, it's right. very accurate, yeah. very beautiful book. And easy to read, actually. Okay. So if people want to find out more about you and you know, mm -hmm. social media, website and so on, where would they go? Mm -hmm. um, my website, the main website is called wujigong.org. That's, that's where everyone can find me. And on that... When at the bottom is my Facebook, my Instagram, and everything. Yeah. And my book, I've, I've written a book uh, called Emotional Alchemy. Who is the book aimed at? Anyone who has difficulties understanding, understanding painful feelings, you know, which seems to be most of humanity. You know? Like COVID really brought that up to the surface, right? All this, like everyone, like the fear brought up everyone's emotions, right? And, you know, it took sides, right? That's a typical thing that the mind does, right? The rational mind cannot understand the irrational feelings. And so it tries to, the thoughts, 
and also hold your feelings and not take sides. Right? And so my book teaches you how to do that. And it also teaches you how to go into very painful feelings and draw the energy that's trapped in them and reclaim them for your life force. That's the one area that all of humanity is very immature on. We're very advanced scientifically, we're very advanced mentally, intellectually, but emotionally we're very backwards actually. You know, we still have war, you know, we still have people killing the emotional body. People just don't like how they feel, you know. So they project that out, you know, onto people. Yeah. What would you say about the way people think of emotion in the West compared to the East? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, that's a fascinating question. So it's, we, we take everything personally, right? But in the East, they, they, they don't. They, they suppress their personal feelings, try and make the outer world, you know, family, the job, you know, like they, they completely suppress their feelings. And they, they, they make the group, you know, the group or the family or the government, you know, is more important than their personal feelings. <laughs> We're about to finish, Andrew. So, have you got hey. have you got a quote that resonates with you for any reason? Ah, oh, yeah, this is my favorite quote. It's called "Embrace the Earth, and Heaven will chase you." So, let me explain that. So, Heaven and Earth are code words in Taoist uh, alchemy. Earth is everything we can see. In other words, our body, you know, the planets, the sun has matter basically. And then Heaven for the Taoists is the invisible, so like our soul, our immortal soul, it's invisible, like, and we have these feelings that, you know, if we cut the body open, we can't find them. You know? And a scientist will tell you, yeah, it's all, it's all happening here, but we feel it in our bodies, right? <laughs> so what this means is that when we embrace our earthly life very deeply, when we accept all of our, all of the bad feelings, the, the things that we wish we didn't have, the things that we feel we had shame about, but when we start to embrace those and we start to Except that all of these experiences in our life come from the Tao, come from life. And do you know who it was that said that? No, I don't actually. It's a Taoist uh, saying, and I, and I don't think it's attributed to any one particular person. It's more like a, a classic Taoist understanding of life, that when we embrace our worldly life, then our spiritual life grows. It's, but it means embrace it. It doesn't mean like only embrace a part of it. We have to embrace all of it. Andrew, it's been fascinating. It's, uh, has it? Has it? Good. It's been very educational and yeah, fascinating. Oh, okay, good, good. I hope your thank viewers you. like it. Yeah, thank you for sharing your, your wisdom and experience and everything. It's been really, yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Join me on next week's edition of The Art of Living Proactively for an illuminating interview with pioneering healer, Dr. Ellen Cutler. Dr. Cutler's revolutionary ECM method targets food sensitivities, improper digestion, and other overlooked root causes behind countless chronic health conditions. We'll discover how conditions from obesity to autoimmunity can often be traced back to hidden reactivities wreaking havoc and learn Dr. Cutler's science-based yet natural approach to gently reboot the body's ability to self-heal. With over 40 years clinical experience and thousands of patients helped worldwide, Dr. Ellen Cutler is an incredible wealth of wisdom on empowering vitality. Tune in to learn about optimizing your microbiome, clearing traumas, 
and embracing longevity through her breakthrough protocols. It promises to be an eye-opening and inspirational show. So hit subscribe on your podcast player and YouTube and be sure to leave us a review. Visit the video on YouTube to share your comments and insights after listening. And I look forward to having you join us next week as we uncover a new vision of health with the brilliant Dr. Ellen Cutler.